everyone. Thank you for joining SBC Leaders Podcast and what will be our final episode of 2021. I'm Kelly Keane, Global Relationship Director for SBC, and I am joined today by Lauren Seiler, who's the Associate Vice President of Investor Relations and Development at Rush Street Interactive. Lauren is a name that either you know or you're about to know. We've gotten a chance to get to know each other over the last few months and all the conferences um, that we've been to. So it is truly my pleasure to welcome Lauren to the show. Welcome. Thanks so much, Kelly. It's really great to be here. I really appreciate you having me. Right. Um, I'm excited for this chat. Um, I first want to set the stage, though. Rush Street Interactive is a member of SBC Leaders. Um, SBC Leaders includes the top operators around the world and the operator associations that they belong to. So tell me what's happening at Rush Street these days. We've certainly been busy, that's for sure. Um, there, there's, there's no lack of excitement out there. There's no lack of opportunity out there. There's no lack of of growth out there. It's really been a busy time for us. I mean, you know, not just for us, for, for, for the entire industry. So, I mean, I, I wear a couple of hats for Rush Street, so I don't just do one job or another. And I think that's, you know, endemic to any kind of new, exciting, almost feels like a startup kind of company. You know, everybody's working super hard, doing all kinds of different things. And it really gives you the opportunity to, to focus on things that you're excited about, not just necessarily the role that you're primarily in from a day to day. We were in uh, New York a couple weeks ago. And um, I think exciting is the right word, right? Everybody was excited. The mood was exciting. What are you excited about these days? What's happening? I think really it's it's the explosive growth for us, for the industry, for for everybody. You know, I'm a, I'm newer to the to the organization, so you know, to RSI's credit, they've always fostered this incredible culture of thought leadership and communication, and embedded in that is an empowerment for all the team members to explore different opportunities and where they think they could add value to the organization. And you know, we've been seeing great ideas coming from all over the place on top of what's just happening in the industry. So you know, been super busy just looking at everything that crosses our plate and encouraging folks internally to make a case when they see something that's really exciting for them. I think that's really what drives the heartbeat of RSI, right? People being excited about what they're doing, being excited about the the organization, about the industry, about the growth, about the changes. So, you know, I, I think it's really all of the opportunity that's out there that's really exciting for me. And then, you know, kind of wearing two hats, right? I, I work on the development side of things. I also work on the investor relations side of things. From an IR perspective, I think it's really exciting that I can keep educating investors on the iGaming and the OSB ecosystem, right? So I was kind of raised on the land-based side of the business. So having that knowledge of the global gaming ecosystem, its history, having watched the progression of how we got to where we are today and from an interactive perspective, a legislative perspective, it's been really helpful in bridging that knowledge gap between land-based gaming investors and the online gaming world. And it brings in an understanding of player behavior and psychology that makes evaluating all of these growth opportunities in the industry right now super, super exciting. And just to have a finger on the pulse for all of these different things within the organization and within the industry is really exciting for me. That is really, really exciting. And all of the states that are coming along, new jurisdictions, new countries, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're working on all of it. There's no lack of energy on the development team. You know, it, it's constant work just to make sure you're in the markets that you want to be in, in the markets of consequence and in the jurisdictions and countries of consequence and, and really helping to, you know, be a creator as as all of this comes through from a legislative perspective, how how things are going to look, how things are going to play out state by state. I have to check the news every day, basically, just to see who's getting acquired, what mergers are happening, <laughs> uh, what states are going live, um, which... 
I didn't have to do two years ago, it felt like, and now it's just, it, it's explosive. So you talked a little bit about what you're doing and uh, with Rush Street and how you're bringing your land-based experience to the table. So you and I have talked a few times and you've had a pretty interesting career. And I think you're just getting started. I can't see sort of the waves that you make. I want to know a little bit about how you got to the role you are now, uh, that you're in now. And typically from, you know, you and I have talked about how easy, hard, how different it is to be a woman in the industry and how we need to support. So if you can sort of paint it, give me the lens of, you know, as a woman in the industry, how you got to where you are now. You know, it's kind of interesting. I know we've kind of kicked around our different backgrounds and, and how we, we got to where we are. And, and I've got to tell you, it's it's definitely been an interesting role. If you have told me 20 years ago that I was going to be sitting in this seat, I don't know that I necessarily would have believed you, right? So yeah, it's been an interesting journey for me. Definitely not lacking its fair share of twists and turns and setbacks and small victories and small heartaches along the way. Um, you know, but I, I think really what it ultimately came down to and how I got here was a, a pretty interesting confluence event. So I actually, yeah, I went to the equivalent of of the fire academy which was a called essentials back then when i was 16 and became a firefighter and i loved every aspect of it and i spent almost the next 14 years involved in firefighting until ultimately i moved out of new york and into new jersey all of my certifications wouldn't cross over but that love of firefighting was a combination of a few things it was the adrenaline it was the science behind it if you've never studied fire science it is absolutely fascinating, at least to someone like me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, being in a position just to be able to help others when they're often at their worst and they can't help themselves. So, you know, I took that experience. So it started when I was pretty young and it led me into my college years with the thought that I wanted to be an ER trauma doctor, um, you know, even even maybe by way of being a, a military medic of some kind. So, you know, that seemed pretty linear, right? You, you're a firefighter. That experience helps hone your skills. It relates to operating under pressure and making very fast but well-evaluated decisions decisions. And one of the biggest lessons for me early on in this was that life isn't always linear. So mm. I actually ultimately ended up being recruited to play field hockey. So I was a hockey goalie and studied by day and then bartended and would drive down to Connecticut in college by night to play blackjack and make some cash. So by the time <laughs> I was done with my four years, all of those well-laid pre-med ER trauma doctor plans turned into a degree in economics and a career on Wall Street. So that was, uh, that was kind of step one. Um, but, you know, you take those those skills that you get from the firefighting, the, the operating under pressure, the, the quick thinking skills, and, and those actually translated really well into trading. So I traded for a while, um, and now we also know that Wall Street, gaming, firefighting, they're all very male-dominated industries. So you also kind of get this human skill of learning to operate in a more male-dominated field. So trading, I shifted over to um, equity research, focused on retail and consumer. Embedded in that is the gaming and lodging vertical. So gaming already had a very special place in my heart after all those nights I spent, you know, leveraging my blackjack skills as a student of game theory, et cetera, going down and making some cash in college. So all of a sudden I was back in a place of doing something that I absolutely loved as a casino and gaming specialist on Wall Street. So ultimately it all came full circle when you think about it, which is uh, kind of an interesting route to take. You asked about the other piece of it, being a, a woman in this industry and, and how to kind of, you know, get to the level that you are and, and, and how to push through some of the challenges. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to, I think that you could probably, you know, speak to that a little bit as well to get to where we are. It, it's the, the challenges are still out there. We wish they weren't, but they are, you know, they, they're there every day in front of our faces. So, um, you know, if you look at it, the gender gap, especially in male dominated industries and from an employment and a pay perspective in the U.S., it's a real thing. If you look at, I think it was Morningstar came out with a report 
maybe back a, a couple of years ago, it said women at the CEO level are, one, it's, it's 17 to 1, right? Men outnumber women at the CEO level 17 to 1. And then I think Business Insider did a, another similar study. Women who negotiate raises and promotions are 30% more likely to be considered too aggressive or intimidating. So, you know, it, it, it's really making sure you find the right team that is inclusive, is forward thinking in, the rega- in those regards. And that was important to me. So that's a big part of why I targeted Rush Street in, in making this transition and coming over here. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it's not easy, but it's really a question of the people that you surround yourself with and the focus that you place on never giving up, never quitting. And look, I, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, to the team that I'm with. I, I really found an incredible group. We've got our, our CEO, Richard Schwartz, our, our former CEO and current CEO of Rush Street Gaming, Greg Carlin, our CFO, Kyle Sowers, my partner on the business development side, Rob Bacard, all along the line, really kind of rooting for me and, and cheering for me along the way, helping me to make this transition over. One of the things I love about you, Lauren, is you buck every single stereotype that is out there. And I think that's really <laughs> important, like... being a female in firefighting on Wall Street. How tall are you? For real? Yeah. For, <laughs> for our <laughs> listeners who don't know you personally, <laughs> tell them how tall you are. With or without heels. Um, because so, it's, so... Not, it's difficult enough to be a female firefighter, I would guess. Yeah. How tall are you? Five foot one. Five foot one. And there's (laughs) there's a great case study. Obviously, I'm passionate about diversity. And there's a great case study about a height requirement to be a firefighter in in our living history. Right. So you were probably too young when uh, that came about. But there was a height requirement, I think, of about five, nine, five, ten. Okay. Which effectively eliminated most of the female population who wanted to be. And as much as they said, we were going to we're going to hire, we're going to, you know, we're going to recruit. They couldn't do it. And there's, there's every industry has a case study like that. So not only have you, you know, bucked all the stereotypes of, of what it's like to go to college and get a real job and all those things. Um, you've done it with a, probably a disadvantage than the rest of us have too. Right. And I love that about you. And I think it's really important that you're a role model for for people in our space to see like you can do it doesn't matter the path that you take so thank you for sharing that you talked a little bit about field hockey do you like sports oh yeah absolutely yeah. i'm a, a lifelong sports fan yeah. a lifelong athlete absolutely do you have a hero do you have a sports hero let's start with that Late, later in in his in his life i actually got the opportunity to befriend yogi berra and <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds silly, but he actually he lived down the street from me when I was okay. living in New Jersey, and um, he was he was uh, we we ran in a couple of the same circles, so we, we got to enjoy some time together. And I, I have to say, I've always admired him. You know, he, he wasn't without his fair share of adversity coming up through the sports world, and you know, certainly took took his fair share of uh, of hits along the way, but always managed to do it, in my opinion, with a level of grace and humility and just kind of that, that great sense of humor that he has. And, and by the way, that really does transcend to his real life personality. So I think I'm going to have to go with Yogi. He's just a, a, a hell of a guy and a hell of a personality and just really great to spend time with. Yeah. It's funny. I was uh, I was sitting at, a, at the bar one night chatting with Yogi and he's just the most down was just the most down to earth normal guy you can possibly think of. I was I was saying I had been playing some golf and my knee was bothering me from you know all those years of being a hockey goalie that the, the knees aren't what they used to be. And he says, oh. You know, I've got a great doctor. Let me recommend a doctor for you for your knees. You know, I've got some bad knees too. I don't know if you know, I was a catcher for a while. I just, I couldn't help but start laughing my face off that that Yogi was telling me this. So that's just the kind of guy that he was. And I really admire that. 
Okay, I wasn't expecting that in any way. That's incredible. <laughs> what about just generally like making career decisions? Do you look, is there someone, you know, professionally that you look to? I'm really, really, really fortunate in that when I kind of started making my way in my transition from Wall Street into industry, I was able to find myself the most incredible mentor a couple of years back. And he's gone on to become an equally amazing friend and an inspiration. It's a guy named Bill McBeth. He's the CEO of the Cosmo. And he's had an incredible career, you know, not dissimilar to mine, not devoid of twists and turns and, and all kinds of different situations. But you know, he, in my opinion, has unparalleled operational prowess, a true visionary in the space, an incredible leader. And I just really admire what he's accomplished over the years. He's been an incredible advocate and teacher for me as I've navigated my career in the game world, but also a, a pillar of support. You know, it wasn't an easy road crossing over from Wall Street, but he was the one person who never, ever, ever let me quit. He was always in my corner. He never gave up on me and he always believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. So, you know, I hope one day to be as good of a friend, as strong as of a leader, as good of a mentor and as respected in the industry as he is. So when I encounter any kind of different situations where maybe there's a question or maybe there's a concern or I really just don't know way to, which way to go with it, I always look to him because I know the advice is coming from the heart. It's truthful. It's embedded in experience and it's coming from a place from a person who's really looking out for me. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have that. That's amazing. And I think as RSI continues to grow, there will be a whole host of newcomers, incomers who will look to you for that. So it's really nice to hear that you, you have such a strong role model. I, I hope to be it. I certainly do. Everyone should be so lucky. So it's the end of the year. It's the last podcast. I am going to call you back at the end of next year and we'll see if these come true. <laughs> Predictions are everywhere, obviously. I want to hear yours. Give me three if you've got or less. I think you can see a few things start to happen, you know, um, I mean, we've got more and more states coming into play, not only from a, an OSB perspective, but I think more will start to kind of come online from an iCasino perspective. I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and try and predict what those states will be, but you can't really deny the, the notable revenue stream that comes from online gaming and OSB and, and the states need the money in their coffers right now. You've got federal COVID support starting to, to roll off to the states. So, you know, I think that that'll be a big thing as more and more states start to reevaluate their budgets and their needs and, and reconsider legalizing OSB and, and, and importantly, iCasino, as, as I do think a good amount of the, uh, the tax revenues do come from that side of the business in the states where it's legal. OSB is online sports betting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Cool. Oh, I, <laughs> I should have broken that down. Clarifying. Okay, go on. I think another one is, now this is kind of more, let's call it a, a wish list, more of a hope, um, but from an operational perspective, I kind of hope and think that we're going to start to see a rationalization in the promotional environment. You know, from, from, from an investment perspective, right now investors in my investor relations side of things, they're taking a heavier focus on profitability, sustainability, operational prowess versus straight revenue generation. So now that that mentality has shifted from a Wall Street perspective, I do think we're probably going to start to see that trickle down into the operations of different, in, into the actual day-to-day -day operations of different operators, right? Pulling back a little bit on, on maybe some of that very exuberant marketing and promotional spend that's been out there. And then from a third thing, if I were to pick something, I'd say it's probably going to see a continued emphasis on, on strong technology. And we're probably going to see a continued shrinking of the competitive set out there. There are a lot of players, and I think that you'll probably continue to see that rationalized. That's funny you say that, because I think there's like, from I sit over on the other side of the pond, and I just feel like there's room for so many more competitors and maybe that's because the UK is a bit noisy it just seems so wide open so maybe maybe some um condensing will be interesting to see any predictions for Rush Street or any anything you want to tell us what's happening in 2022 for Rush Street 
we've built an incredible platform over the last, you know, call it what, it's, you know, 10 years now. Uh, it's, it's the product's fantastic. It's a great offering. The organization's fantastic. And I think really from a, an internal perspective, we just look forward to continuing our expansion as more markets regulate or in the U.S. and, and around the world. You know, we're not going to, certainly not going to stop primarily at the U.S. borders. We've got exposure to, to Latin America with Colombia and, and we're just going to keep, keep trucking. Yeah, fab. And what about you? You're going to take a little break for Christmas and New Year's or are you just driving on? <laughs> you know, that, 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 but breaks and I don't really go hand in hand. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still on my <laughs> quest for world domination, right? Good. I, I mean, personally, it's before or after I'm done taking over the world. That's really yes. where the question lies. Yes. Um, you know, look, I may, maybe a quick pause. I am excited to spend some time with my family over the holidays, but you know, at this point, I'm really just taking things day by day. I'm navigating a new career and this crazy kind of post during mid, how is it changing COVID world we're living in? You know, the one thing I can tell you is that I'm extremely excited to see the world starting to open a little bit back up. I, I do hope that, you know, we don't, we don't make too many backward steps in that and we can get out there more from a travel perspective. It's been great seeing you and, and seeing all of my other industry friends over the last couple of conferences. Um, but, you know, one of the other things is I'm actually looking forward to is um, I'm escaping South Florida for a little while. I'm going to trade in my surfboard for some skis and, and maybe catch a little bit of powder if uh, if my knees stay going out west or are you going I'm gonna see west out west cool yeah i used to live in montreal and there's a great ski hill in montreal oh. but it's very nice. cold have fun unfortunately that's all the time that you and i have for today um it's been a real pleasure lauren thank you for sharing your thoughts your predictions <laughs> your amazing career um, and uh, I hope everyone else enjoys getting a, a chance to get more into onto the personal side of, of your career. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I really appreciate the time, Kelly, as always. And, and on top of that, I really appreciate everything that you've done for women in the industry and all the efforts oh, that you've you. made along the way. So thank you for that. This has been the final episode of SBC Leaders Podcast for 2021. I'm Kelly King, Global Relationship Director for SBC. You can subscribe to this series on any of your podcast platforms, or you can watch direct on gamblingtv.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you in 2022 for series two.